friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Hey everyone, and welcome to another guest interview on Crickets to Cha-Chings. I am so excited today to talk with my real life friend and sorority sister, Alyssa Cowan, about how she (laughs) has built her Etsy shop and her business and what all that looks like for her. Welcome, Alyssa. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Lauren. I'm super excited to talk to you about this. We can geek out about the shop a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I am super pumped too. Can you tell the listeners a little bit of your backstory, how you get started, what you sell, all that info? Sure. Um, Okay. So I became a stay-at-home mom after I had our first in December of 2015. And by mid-2016, I was losing my mind. I I needed something that was just mine that didn't have anything to do with being a military wife or a mom or a daughter or anything that was just for me. <laughs> so um, I've always sewn and been creative and I started sewing again. And also your body is wrecked after having a baby. So nothing fit like it should have. Um, <laughs> and So I started sewing clothes for me and then I got really into it and I started sewing clothes for the baby. And then I had, you know, people who were like, you know, you should sell, you should sell, which don't ever start a shop because people tell you that they will buy your stuff because they won't. Um, But I started kicking around the idea of a shop and I finally sort of settled on it. And then I talked to my husband about it and asked him what he thought. And I guess I had been uh, projecting my unhappiness more than I thought I was because his (laughs) response was, please, God, do whatever you need to do. (laughs) Um, So I started Stink Muffin in the fall of 2016. I make comfortable, my tagline is wear your feelings. Um, So I make comfortable handmade clothes for babies, kids, and adults. Um, my best seller is leggings for sure. I have a lot of different legging fabric options. Um, and, but I do a lot of like dresses, sweaters, a lot of custom orders, um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I, it's just sort of, I mean, it started out slowly, but Etsy does all the work for me, basically. I don't do any advertising or anything like that. Um, I do have an Instagram and a Facebook page, but it just sort of grew over the years. And now it is um, pretty much to the point where if it got any bigger, I would not be able to manage it, which is where I don't want to go. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> we talked a little bit um, before we started recording about kind of what that looks like and that balance um, that is a really hard balance to strike sometimes. But one thing that Alyssa and I can really connect on is that that background. And I think it's something that's really hard, um, especially, well, it's a little easier like in retrospect, but it's really hard when you're going through it and you have a baby and then you're kind of like, what am I supposed to do with myself? <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm not like, obsessed with the baby you know like what am I like I can't it's like the baby's sleeping I can only clean the house so much before I go absolutely insane like I can't I can't be like my whole identity can't be mom yeah and I think that's really hard to verbalize um especially in that like postpartum time frame yes (laughs) Um, at least for me that's my experience but um and I also think as a military spouse like that um that life is so different and um there's a lot of expectations about like the kind of wife that you're supposed to be and let's say like you know what I really want something just for me like my whole life revolves around his career and it has to and it is what it is but it's not enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And it's not, I, I, you know, I can't like, that's his career, right? That's not who we are. You know, right. we are not the army, you know, right. So like, that's his job and he gets to come home from his job. But if my job is just the kids, I never get to go home from that. You know, like I never get to stop and I don't have anything that's, I don't have anything. I mean, of course I have the kids to show for it and they're phenomenal and I love right. my kids, but like, I can't be like, you know, this is what I made this month. <laughs> right. There's no like quantifiable goal setting with raising children and, um, you know, you can pour your heart and soul into raising the best children that you can, which obviously we all do. And then they go to the grocery store and throw themselves on the floor and act like a jerk. (laughs) The most thankless job ever. (laughs) Yeah. And there goes my day. Right. (laughs) So when you started your shop, what was your goal? Was it just to have this creative outlet? Um, Was it to build a business that was really bringing in a paycheck? What, what was your goal when you set out? Yeah. So my, my, goal, I mean, I wanted the shop to be profitable, right? I didn't want it to be a money losing operation, but I did not have a number goal. It was more important for me to have this thing that was just mine. Um, and that I could take with us when we moved because being military, we're gonna move. Um, so I like the most important part of it for me was that it be profitable. However much that was, and that it be something that I could manage by myself. (laughs) Um, Like Sean helps me make tags every once in a while, but that's it. Like, otherwise it's me. Um, And so as, you know, as time has passed and the shop has grown, you know, like now I can, I pay for daycare. I pay for my fabric habit. You know, I have money left at the end of whatever I have to do that month. And you know, I mean, obviously that's great and that's where I I want it to stay. Um, But I never wanted it to be a burden. I never wanted it to be the kind of thing where I get up and I'm like, oh God. (laughs) So that is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Alyssa on this podcast was because our stories have started out really similarly as, as stay at home moms and as military spouses and all of that. Um, but Alyssa has really set those boundaries of what she wanted to do and stuck with them. And I really admire that because I think that what that shows to me is that you have your priorities set of what what this is going to do for your family, but what also you're willing to sacrifice for it. And you haven't gotten caught up in that frenzy of like more, more, more. It has to grow bigger. It has to do you know, I have to grow this like bazillion dollar empire. Yeah. yeah. I have a tendency to get caught up in that. So I always <laughs> think that it's really admirable when people are able to do that, to say, I, my, my neighbor told me recently that I'm a trigger puller. Like I, I jump and then I figure yeah. out how to do it. And that's good in some <laughs> ways, but it gets me in over my head a lot of times. And then I have to, yeah. I'm like at a breaking point before I'm able to backtrack to a point that's manageable. Right, right, right. And I'm, yeah, I am very much not a trigger puller. I am very much like, hmm, I'm the person who's going to like pack a bag for a trip and then maybe unpack it and then repack it. Oh, geez. (laughs) You know, I'm the one that's like frantically throwing stuff in the car as we're pulling out of the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no. <laughs> so have those goals um, for your shop changed over the years? Have you ever felt like I want to grow this bigger or is that manageability your your top priority with it? Yeah, I think being able to stay on top of it and not feeling overwhelmed with it has always been more important than growing because it's been, I mean, within six months, it was profitable. So and by profitable, I mean paying for more than... I mean, obviously profit would be money left over after you pay for supplies, but, and your time and everything. Um, but that, so that was never really, uh, a problem. Um, but I've always, I've always had, because, well, you know, because I had bond, my first son, um, and Sean, you know, was very actively deployed. He was gone a lot. So I was always, you know, I had to, 
make my priority home and being able to take care of my son. And then the business had to take a, a second step back to that. Well, because also where we lived in Florida at the time, um, child care for his age was not even available in our town and we couldn't afford a nanny. So like there was no option to be like, well, I'll just take him to child care. Not like, no. <laughs> um, so I, I had to, being a mom had to be first priority and the shop had to stay sort of on the back burner, but that was also how I wanted it. Um, I never wanted to be, uh, I don't even know the word. I never wanted to be stressed out about it, but I also never wanted to be, um, I never wanted to have to say, okay, this has to be a priority before anything else. I have to get this, you know, on track or get these orders done, or, you know, I can't take you to the playground today because I have to work. Like I never wanted to have to. I love that you recognize that because it took me a few children (laughs) to get to that point. Like I can remember after I had my third baby, um, telling my husband that I wanted to take six months off, which I did after I had her, um, because I said to him, and I remember the exact phrasing of how I said it. I said, I don't want to be sitting in a rocking chair, nursing her, thinking you need to hurry up, baby. I I got stuff to do. Like, I don't have time to sit here. I wanted to be able to cherish that time or to at least not feel the, that sort of frenzy or that pressure, I guess, is really what it boils down to of, of like, I got to get, I I mean, hurry up. I don't want to hang out with you right now. I have stuff to do. (laughs) And I had felt that a little bit with my second baby that was born, like, right, kind of right as I was starting my shop. So, um, it was like only in retrospect that I was able to say, I kind of want to step back for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like, also I'm a little bit lazy. I never really wanted to like, you know, push it too much because then I would have to. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I don't think that you're yeah. lazy. Don't tell yourself that story. <laughs> you're allowed to have priorities that don't just involve working. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really, I wish, so I took, I had our second son in May of this year and I took May, June and July off. And in that time I had wit May 17th, we moved from Florida to North Carolina in June. And then we sold our old house and bought a new house in July. And then I opened back at the shop up on, opened the shop back up on August. Oh, wow. That's a lot. And I, yeah, I wish that I had taken another month because I thought three months, like, it'll be fine. By the end of that time, I'll be going crazy and I'll need something again. I was wrong. I should have taken that fourth month. Yeah. <laughs> because Maybe if it had just been the baby, three months would have been okay. But that's a lot of change at one time. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Um, so I like, I yeah, I should have given myself more time. Um, but we made it work. And um, Bond is now we just so we moved to North Carolina. And then there was a brand new daycare facility that opened like 10 minutes from our house uh, within three weeks of us moving here. And he's, he's three and a half. So he, and he's, he's a smart kid and he needed more than we could do at home. So we got really, really lucky with that facility opening. So now, you know, our oldest is in full-time care, which is better for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So I just have the baby at home. So now I feel like it's more you know, under control and we can sort of enjoy our lives more. But yeah, those that, that first month of August being back open again was just insane. <laughs> because also I kind of expected sort of a longer ramp up, right? Because I had been closed. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, how did you stay engaged with your customers? And how did you communicate that to people while you were taking that break? I, so I... I put, I, well, I changed the shop message up on, um, on the, you know, the banner message on the Etsy shop. And I explained, you know, that I was, I was closing for, um, I think the phrasing that I used was so that we could learn to be a family of four. Um, <laughs> because that's a, it's a big change from one to two kids. I didn't really expect the change to be as intense as it was. Um, but so, you know, I had that up, I had a vacation response on for messages, 
um, and on the Facebook page and on the email. Um, and I did not check anything while I was closed. I completely stepped back. Um, and I let, you know, my vacation responses and my, um, explanation of when I was, you know, why I was gone and when I would be back, I let that suffice for everything. Um, and so I opened back up in August and I kind of expected to have a bit of a lull because I had been gone for so long. Um, but it was August of 2019 beat August of 2018. Um, yeah. And I, that is not what I expected. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess it's a, it's a mixed blessing when you're like right in the middle of having a newborn and moving, but (laughs) yeah, it was, it was crazy. And, um, yeah, I, I, after, so the holiday season of 2017 was the first really busy holiday season for the shop and I didn't close and I should have. And then in January of 2018, it didn't really slow back down because in, so I opened in the fall of 2016 and then, you know, you have your holiday rush and then like sort of spring and summer of 2017, it slowed down a little bit and then it picked back up in the holidays of 2017. And then in 2018, there was very little slowdown. It didn't really, it didn't really slow. I mean, it wasn't as frantic as it was during the holidays, but it was consistent. And that was the point at which I was really like, okay, this is where I need to park. (laughs) Like I'm good here. This is good. Um, And then the holiday season of 2018, October, November, and December were insane. Those three months were half of my annual orders. Um, And it was just, my husband was deployed, I was pregnant, and it was overwhelming. It was too much. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot. Um, And then, so I closed for about three weeks. from I think December 15th was when I closed and I didn't open back up again until January 5th, I want to say. Um, so I was, and I did the same thing that I did during maternity leave. I did not answer any emails. I did not answer any conversations. I just stepped back completely and sort of decompressed. Um, because that, that holiday rush was, uh, it was a lot. It was, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> um, so I opened back up in 2019 and I knew that I was gonna close for maternity leave. So, you know, I announced it early. I said, you know, these are the dates that I'm going to be closed. So if you want sting muffin, stock up. <laughs> um, and people did. And then I closed and then I opened back up in North Carolina and, it has picked up essentially right where we left off. That's so great. And that's really interesting for me to hear because I don't really use vacation mode often and I haven't in several years. Um, And some of that is that I haven't taken a huge amount of time off, but some of that is that it's a little scary when you're kind of, um, you know, you have this little, you know, it's rolling along at this little clip and then you're, you're just stopping that momentum and it's scary to know what is going to happen when you open back up, but that's good to know. I may try that out for this holiday season with my, my goal of stepping back. Um. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) I don't like, I don't use it. I don't use it often. I, um, you know, I closed for the holidays and then I closed for maternity leave. And I think last summer I closed for two weeks um, when my husband got back from deployment and had his block leave. Mm-hmm. I think I closed for that point because I was like, this is, this is our leave time. Like we, I'm not working. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so good though, because it gives you not only the break from actually making orders, but also the break from the mental part of it, just the answering emails and the ordering supplies and kind of all of the back end business stuff, which like I haven't taken a vacation since I opened back up after my maternity leave, which my child is over four now. 
Um, Girl, you need a break. <laughs> I, I, well, I've taken vacations, but I haven't like actually yeah. closed my shop down. And so what that has looked like for me is like answering emails while I'm sitting in a hotel in New Zealand. And you know, I don't mind doing a little bit of it, but it doesn't allow you that mental break. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and I have a, I have a turnaround time of like, one to three days is my processing. Oh, time. Wow. So I can't like, if, if we're going to go somewhere, I have to close <laughs> because I won't make that processing time. Yes. So, minus two weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't let people put that pressure on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, also your, your products are a little bit more involved than mine. You know, I can, I can do an order and if it's a single pair of leggings, I can do it in 20 minutes, you know? So I'm like, it, it doesn't take that much time for me to crank out the orders. I just have to sit down and do it. Yeah. Yeah. So So you kind of started your shop with the leggings and everything in the middle of, I would say kind of like the rise in the popularity of leggings, which has been an amazing rise. Yes. (laughs) Um, And, and like sort of in the middle of like LuLaRoe and these companies that are making like patterned leggings and stuff. So how do you think that you were able to make something that was unique and that was able to stand out when there was other competition. I mean, in, in some ways it's good because like these things are rising in popularity. So more people are looking for them, but then right. there also means there's more competition as well. Right. So I think I do get inquiries every once in a while that ask me if my leggings are LuLaRoe. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I make them. Um, <laughs> But I also think that I have an advantage over a company like LuLaRoe because I am one person, you can talk to me, and I my leggings are um, sized, so I don't have the one size and then the tall and curvy. I have sizes for, you know, I have, like, you buy your size, whether it's, you know, small, medium, large, whatever. And then for the kids, I have all the way down to, I think I have 12 months is the smallest size in the shop. Um but you know, you order your actual size and each listing has a measurement, a size chart in it. It has photographs of the leggings themselves, as well as the print up close. And then all of my descriptions are standardized, right? So when you, when you go to my shop, all of the listings look cohesive. They're all taken on the same background. They're all laid out the same way. All of the listings are formatted the same way. All of the titles are formatted the same way. So it's really easy to sort of navigate. Um, you know, each each print, each fabric has an adult pattern or an adult legging listing, a child legging listing, and then I usually offer them in infinity scarves as well if leggings just aren't your thing, but you really want to match your kid. Um, so, you know, it's I think the fact that the shop is consistent um, as far as the way the listings look helps a lot. The descriptions are clear, as clear as I can make them. (laughs) Um, the, you know, I really, I really put a premium on treating my customers with respect as well. So if you send me a question, you're going to get an answer in a timely fashion, usually within a day. Um, it's going to be thorough. It's going to be polite. It's going to be respectful. And, you know, I'm going to offer, you know, to answer whatever other questions you may have, you know, I'm not going to make you feel like it's a stupid question or like, you know, you're bothering me, (laughs) which I think some I have had happen before with other Etsy shops. I'm like, oh, okay, well, (laughs) I just won't order then. (laughs) Right. No, totally. And I think that one point that I want to make for people who are listening, because this is something that people bring up to me a lot, and I think that you've done a great job with it, is that a lot of times people feel like the only way to be successful in making a product or the only way to be successful online or on Etsy specifically is to underprice everything. Like if they can't be the cheapest one, then they can't stand out in the market. And you know, leggings are everywhere. They're all, you know, you can go to Target and buy leggings for cheaper than what you're offering in your shop. But that's not like nowhere in the question that I just asked you about being able to stand out. Did you say, why make the cheapest one? And that's why they come. Like that is not what's attracting them to your shop. And they're paying a more premium price for all of the things that you just talked about. Right. 
which I think is really important for people to recognize that you don't have to just, you know, obviously factories in China are going to make leggings cheaper than what you're going to be willing to sell yours for. <laughs> exactly. So those are not the same buyers that are going to buy those two products or, you know, or maybe they do buy both of them, but they're buying yours for a different reason than just the price. Right. Right. Well, and I actually, so my, I actually raised my prices when Etsy raised its fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and business has been better since I raised my prices. <laughs> I also had that same experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, like I explained, you know, I, I made an Instagram post and a Facebook post and I was like, you know, listings are going up. Here's why. And people were like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I think if you're like outrageously priced, you know, I mean, if I was charging like $70 for a pair of, of regular leggings, that would be an issue. Um, but I don't think that people are put off particularly by charging what you should be charging to make something that you're doing, you know, because like you said, your time is valuable. Um, you have to pay yourself (laughs) otherwise, you know, otherwise it's not worth it. (laughs) Right. And it also, you know, it's something to consider. Like if you ever said, well, I want to scale this shop to be a $200,000 a year business, maybe your sales would go up. They might not, but maybe they would go up a little bit if you lowered your prices, but that's not in line with your goals. <laughs> right. you know. So like if you say, well, I'm going to raise my prices. I mean, although you just said that that was not your experience, but I'm going to raise my prices and maybe I will have less sales, but it's still accomplishing those revenue goals that I want to meet for my shop. Right. And so like, I don't want to work more for less money. That's not my goal. <laughs> it's the opposite. Right, right. right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to put in more hours. <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you first started, is there anything that you would say to people who are starting, like, I wish I would have known this or I wish I would have done this differently, or bring us back in time and where would you have gone? I'm interrupting here just for a second to tell you guys about a new checklist that I have available for you if you are a brand new Etsy seller or brand new wannabe Etsy seller and you're kind of sitting in that place where you're not sure if the products that you have are actually going to sell on Etsy or you're feeling kind of timid about putting them up online because you just don't know if anybody is really gonna wanna buy them. I have a new guide for you called Seven Ways to Know If Your Product Will Be Successful on Etsy. And it is available at creativemomboss.com forward slash seven ways, the number seven ways. I would love for you to download that and then email me at the end and tell me, What are you going to sell on the platform? What is your shop going to feature? And how are you going to make that work? Again, it's creativemomboss.com forward slash seven ways. All right, now back to our interview. So I actually, I wrote down three different things when I read this question and the ones that you sent over. Um, One, the first one is that everyone prepays, period. End of story. That's it. Like, I don't care who you are, you know, your, your mom, your best friend, what everyone prepays because I had several people who, when I was first starting out, you know, like we, they were looking for something specific. So I found fabric that would have been perfect for them. I ordered said fabric, made their item and then made the listing and guess what? Yeah. They never bought it. And then it's super awkward because I'm like, I see you on a, you know, on a not super regular, but on a regular enough basis that it's really awkward because there's no good way to go up and say, I made a bad choice and I ordered this fabric without you paying for it. And now you owe me money. (laughs) Although you're not really the one that should feel awkward. They should feel awkward, but it is awkward to address. (laughs) Right. But like, obviously they don't. Um, So yeah, like I will, I will find a custom fabric for you and then I will make you a listing in the shop. And when you buy that listing, then I will order the fabric or I will pull the fabric off the shelf and start cutting. But I will not do that before you pay, period. <laughs> and I would actually add to that, I just want to interject for just a second that, well, first off, I want to highlight that she said everyone, not just strangers. So I have had a similar experience with people that I knew, like these are 
my friends, <laughs> you know, and so you feel like you can trust your friends and you I don't necessarily think that it's always with bad intention that they like ghost you, but um, they're just not thinking about it. It's not top of mind or they've like moved on to the next thing and you're out the money. And then it does put you in this awkward position with your friend. <laughs> yeah. And I like, oh, like, don't be afraid to say, you know, this is, this is my business. Like I'm here to make money. I'm not here to make things for you for free. <laughs> like. I'm here to make money. So if you want something, you need to pay for it. Right. And I would also add, depending on the price point of your products, I don't even invest the time with somebody to, like when I used to do burp claws and bibs with fabrics and stuff, people would want me to send them all kinds of pictures of different fabrics and different coordinating things and blah, 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 before they purchased anything. And I got to the point um, that I would say, once you check out with the listing, then we can hammer out the details. Because a lot of times you would invest all this time with picking out these, you know, details of the thing, and then they'd fall off the face of the earth, right? As you're hammering out, like the finished product, (laughs) even if you hadn't started yet, but it's still this time commitment, you know, you'd go back and forth for 20 messages and like, okay, are you going to, are you going to do it or not? (laughs) Yep. Yep. And I usually give them, if they're looking for something specific, like a custom fabric, I usually give them like max three options. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is, these are what I found, you know, <laughs> like, here's what we can do. If you're interested, great. Cause you will be taken advantage of if you allow yourself to do that. <laughs> yeah. And some of the very worst um, offenders of that are people that, you know, <laughs> they expect you to go back and forth, like until the end of time with deciding on options. <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, everyone prepays. The second one would be, um, don't be afraid to say no, right? Not yeah. everything that people want is going to be something that's right in my wheelhouse or something that I can deliver or even something that I want to do. So don't be afraid to say, you know, that's a super cute idea. That's not really something that I'm, you know, really strong in. And I don't want to promise something that I can't deliver you know? Yeah. How have you done that? Because when I, you know, when I would see your Instagram right after Bond was born with all the outfits that you made him and all of that stuff, but then looking at your shop, you have really, really narrowed down what you offer in your shop, even though your skill set goes far beyond what you offer in your shop. So how, what was your reasoning behind that? Or how have you really kept that focus and not allowed it to just become like, a department store. (laughs) Um, so the thing with, with clothing, particularly with kids clothing is that there are a million directions. And if you, if you put up, you know, a baby gown in X fabric, you're going to get a message from someone who's like, I love this, but can I get it in this fabric in this size with this accent? And Mm -hmm that's just a world of time and investment that I did not want to invite. Um, so I, like if someone messages me and says, you know, I really love this fabric. Can you make a top out of it? Sure. I've got it on the shelf. I haven't cut it out, you know, whatever. Great. I will make you your top. What I won't do is someone have someone send me like a pin of, an outfit and say, I want this outfit. And then I go, "Mm, that's not really what I do. You know, I'm happy to point you in the direction of a shop that I know does custom work like this, but that's not me. Um, So I've just been very careful about what I put, particularly on the shop, Instagram and Facebook. Um, And I don't even post that many things on my personal Facebook anymore because people know that I sew to sell. So <laughs> they So they're know. like, I'm special. Can you make me exactly. something custom? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then I'm like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> or in very, very select cases, I may send them a message and say, hey, you know, I'm actually I can do this for you. But that is very, very rare. <laughs> for the most part, I say blanket 
no, if it's on, and usually if it's on my, my personal Facebook, usually I'll put a disclaimer at the end of the post. that's like, nope, this is not going to be in the shop. I'm posting this because I think it's really cute and I really like it. Not because I'm advertising. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just preemptively know. <laughs> I love that because it also allows you to still have things that you make just because you want to. Like not every single thing has to be something that you sell in the shop. And, you know, this started as something that you enjoyed doing. So you don't want to take away from that enjoyment of just because you're, you know, overwhelmed with all the things that you're making for people that are just sucking all your time up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I do make uh, probably about 75% of, of what my, my sons wear, I do make. <laughs> so, you know, I do, I do a lot of like shorts for them and pants for them and jackets for them and sweatshirts for them and stuff. But yeah, I don't put that stuff in the shop because one, that's a whole nother range of fabric that I don't want to have to keep in stock because it's a different type of fabric than what I use for leggings. So just for pure inventory reasons, I don't want to do that. Um, but two, you know, I don't want my kids to be sort of walking billboards, right? Like I don't want every picture I take of them to be like, and look at the sting muffin pants that I made. Right. <laughs> like I want it to be like, look at my kids. They're so cute. And also just the mental part of that of like, oh, maybe I can catch a really good picture at the playground so I can post this online and have them, you know, in action or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I don't want it to always be, a marketing thing. I don't want it to always be in the back of my head, like, oh, I got to make this work for the business. Or, you know, this is a great opportunity to take pictures. Or this is a great opportunity to, you know, advertise this. Like, I want it, the shop to be, you know, when I'm not working, I want to not be right. working. Yeah. <laughs> so my third thing would be get legal right away. Get get registered with your state to collect and remit sales tax. Set your shop up to collect sales tax. Um, depending on your state, some states do it automatically. Um, Should be in one of those states. <laughs> right? So anyway, yeah, get yourself legal. Um, if you make something that follows compliance standards, follow the compliance standards, get your inventory set up, get your paperwork set up, get your budget set up, but like do it from the beginning because it is so much harder to go back even after a month and do it. So just do it from the beginning, do it right and keep up with it because come tax time, you will be so much happier when you can just hand it all over to your accountant if you have one or if you do it yourself, you already have the numbers at your disposal. Just do it. Um, I wish I could like insert the little praise hands emojis <laughs> with what you're right? saying because <laughs> I did not do this and um, it was... Um, it was a train wreck trying to go back in time and get it done. And, but what I actually found, which I'm sure that you found too, is, well, it sounds like you weren't so intimidated about the process from the get it, from the get go. I was really intimidated by the legal and the tax side of things. But once I finally was like, okay, this is, this needs to happen. Like this is not okay. I, found that it was a lot easier than I anticipated. Like paying sales tax in North Carolina is a pain in the butt, but it's not hard. It's just tedious. But I was so intimidated by the process of all of it that it took me a long time to even like dive into understanding what I needed to do. And I actually ended up sitting down with an accountant and being like, I need you I need to help. do this. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. So she actually was the one that had to go back in time and like make everything happen. But, um, but I wish I would have just done it from the get go because it was a lot simpler than I thought that it was going to be. Yeah, I had most of it set up before I started because I'm a I'm a little bit OCD, um, <laughs> so I tend to be super organized. But I didn't really understand what I should be collecting and remitting for sales tax. And it took me about six weeks of, of after opening the shop to be like, wait a minute. Yeah, no, I'm selling and Oh yeah, I should do this. And even that, that, you know, small window of time, I had like less than 12 sales, but still to go back and log all of the things, decide how much, you know, figure out how much should have been collected for sales tax and then you know, setting myself up with Florida to pay it and then get it all organized and everything. Like it was just, it would have been so much 
easier if I had just done it first. And like from since then I've kept up with it. And I like that logistically has made things so much easier. (laughs) So, so much easier. Like, just do it. Just do the paperwork and get it done. And also more legal. So that's a good right. <laughs> side yeah. benefit. Exactly. Exactly. But one thing that you did that was really great was just to take that time in the very beginning yeah. of opening your shop. A lot of people like me <laughs> are trigger pullers and then have to jump back and say like, okay, what does this actually entail? Because contrary to popular belief, there is not really any threshold of what you can do under the radar that doesn't need to be taxed or doesn't need to be legal. It all does. So um, that's a kind of a common misconception. Um, And just taking that pause and saying like, okay, where do I need to go to move forward with this versus just diving into it and then, and then having it just be this jumbled mess that you then have to like unravel um, was really, really smart. It's, it's, yeah, that's one of the things that I'm really, really glad that I did. Even, even though I did wait, I, I, I caught it pretty quickly. So at this point, now that you're several years into building this business and doing it, what does your daily schedule look like? Do you work most days or is it still like a nap time hustle type? Yeah. Yeah. So I try really hard not to work on weekends. And when my husband is home, um, that doesn't always work out. Sometimes I do have to get stuff done, but I try really hard to protect that time when he is home with all of us. Um, so my oldest is in full-time daycare now, which he loves. He's, you know, he's amazing. He's got his teachers wrapped around his little finger. Um, but I, so I just have the baby home with me. So he's five months old now and he's still sleeping a lot. Um, so I generally cut orders out after the kids go to bed. Um, so that the next day during nap time or playtime, I can whiz through those orders and get them sewn up and photographed and shipped out. So I generally work about 15 hours a week. Um, And, you know, during fall and holidays, brush seasons, it's a little bit more, probably like 20, like max 25 hours a week. Um, You know, I, I don't, I don't want to have to put more time in. Um, So, you know, when, when it gets to that point, that is when I would step back and either extend my processing time, which right now is, you know, one to three business days. or so that I have a little bit more slack, or I would close for a little bit. Because if I if it gets to the point where I have to, you know, worry about spending time with my family, this isn't worth it anymore. Um, So I would need to slow down at that point. Um, But yeah, right now, I'm cutting in the evening, sewing during the day. And uh, generally, I answer messages like whenever I, whenever they come in, whenever I have a few minutes to do it. Um, Cause usually they're really, really easy things to answer. It's just people who want to clarify something or people who, you know, see a fabric in the shop and say, and they, you know, want to talk about like what color it actually is, you know, like, would it go with this coordinate color? So it's that kind of easy message to answer. Um, so I try to stay on top of that kind of stuff, but yeah, I, I, my workflow is pretty, pretty efficient at this point. I can, I can crank out, you know, four pairs of leggings if they're already cut and I don't have to change thread color. I can get those done in an hour. Easy. So it's, you know, it's, it's, I feel like I've pretty much made the process as efficient as I can to get as much done in as little time as I can. And then it's done and I don't have to think about it. <laughs> so I just want to make the point that Alyssa has done such a good job of streamlining this business and and really making this work around her family life. And she's got over 1,300 sales on Etsy. So this is not like a brand new venture that's struggling along, but you're still able to just manage it um, in a way that's really admirable. And I think that I think you're doing such a good job of really having that balance. And 
Thank you. Um, To just be able to streamline that process so that it still can be something that's profitable for you, but it's not consuming your life and it's not really changing the structure of your life in a way that you don't want it to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that was always sort of the most important element of this and why I chose to do this kind of thing when I needed something that was, was mine was because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want it to get out of control. Um, and I wanted to be in control of it. So yeah, I, I'm really, really proud of it. And I'm, you should be. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I really, I really like it, you know, and I, I don't know how many people get to say, you know, I really, really like what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. So that's, awesome. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think that the benefit of being on Etsy versus like, you? I mean, you obviously have a following that likes your products and would probably follow you if you just wanted to sell on Instagram or sell on your own website. So why do you like Etsy so much? Like why, what, what do you think the benefits are of selling on the Etsy platform? I think that Etsy is, Etsy is amazing because Etsy does the work for you. <laughs> right? Etsy has the traffic. It drives people to my shop. I don't, I don't do paid advertising. You know, I don't, I do have a shop Instagram and a shop Facebook and they're linked. So I post something on Instagram and it posts to the Facebook page as well. Less work for me. Um, and in every post I include a link to stinkmuffin.etsy.com. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not a clickable link because it's on Instagram, but, um, you know, it's there. So that's the extent of what I do to drive traffic to the shop. But 85, 90% of my visits come from Etsy. They come from people searching for things on Etsy and then clicking on my shop. So Etsy does the work for me. Um, if I were to build an independent website, that would be a whole lot more work that I would have to do to get eyes on my listings. So like, you know, why would I do that? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel the same way. Obviously I'm still on Etsy all these years later, but I think when people say like, well, but Etsy takes a cut of it and it's like, Etsy takes a cut of it, but they're also providing you with an incredible amount of benefits for pretty low fees that they're charging. Yeah. yeah. And there's also a framework, you know, there's, there's policies that I have set in my Etsy shop. There are policies that Etsy abides by, you know, I do not have to worry about payment processing. I do not have to worry about, you know, being, well, being scammed beyond the obvious basic, like, you know, I didn't like my item, but I'm not going to send it back. Like, (laughs) But, you know, there's there's already a framework in place that Etsy has provided as the platform. All I have to do is offer my stuff. So, like, that's an easy yes. <laughs> right? And I think that beyond just the seller side of that, which I agree with you, it makes it so easy for to get started and to continue and to add more products and to go in whatever direction that you want. It's just so simple. But it also provides so much um, confidence on the buyer's part that they see the same framework, the same framework of policies, the same sort of style of the, you know, the shop listings and everything. And that's not a bad thing. People like what they're familiar with. And so the more familiar they get with something, the more they are to the more likely they are to buy from a variety of different shops. And so having that familiarity with your shop. It's simple on your part, but it's also good for the buyers. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you have the feedback as well, which is, you know, you know is verified because you can't leave feedback on a listing that you didn't purchase. So that's, you know, they can see people's experiences with my shop. They can see people's experiences with me. And that's invaluable, right? Because I am a one-person shop. Like, you're dealing with me. So to have feedback that says, you know, Alyssa was great to work with. Like, you know, my, my order is great. I love my leggings. Alyssa's great. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that gives people, I think, part of the oomph to actually go ahead and purchase is knowing like this is going to be a positive transaction. Absolutely. That social proof is, like you said, yeah. invaluable. Yeah. So. 
Well, I'm going to wrap this interview up. It has been so good to talk to you and to hear your experience with Etsy and just building the business and having those boundaries. And I think you're doing such a great job with it. And there are so many takeaways that people can take from this interview and apply to their own lives and their own balance and their shop. So where can people find you online, on Etsy, on Instagram, wherever they can connect with you? Thank you. So I, my shop is called Stink Muffin. It's spelled exactly like it sounds. <laughs> um, the Etsy shop is stinkmuffin.etsy.com. And I'm on Facebook at Shop Stink Muffin. And that's the Instagram uh, title as well. So, but if you just search Stink Muffin, I've got links to everything in the Etsy shop. And uh, I would love to see you there. There is a coupon that I will post or I will send to Lauren to post in the show notes. Um, so if you come to the shop from the podcast, you can get a discount. That's and awesome. of course, all orders over 35 ship free every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Did you guys love this interview as much as I did? Alyssa is my college buddy and sorority sister, so it was such a special experience for me to get to interview her on this podcast, and it's been so fun for me to have watched her grow this shop and grow this business over the past several years as she's also grown her family. I think that she has so much wisdom to share with us and so much to add to the conversation about having that balance and having those boundaries, which I know can be sometimes a really big struggle for newer shop owners and honestly for older shop owners as well. It's something that I still struggle with, which is why I reached out to Alyssa and I wanted to talk to her and have this conversation. I hope you got as much out of it as I did, and I will see you back here on next week's episode. Same time, same place. Bye for now.